0: You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters Podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Before we kick this episode off, a special thank you to our partners. Cycle, built for the entire hearing care practice. Redux, faster, drier, smarter, verified. OtoSet, the modern ear cleaning device. Fader plugs the world's first custom adjustable earplug. Welcome back to another Hearing Matters podcast episode. I'm your host, Blaise Delfino, and we have an incredibly special guest with us today. We are joined by Nell Rosenberg, who is the National Director of Teleservices at Clark Schools for Hearing and Speech. Nell, welcome to the Hearing Matters podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Blaze. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you, and Nell, this has been, we've been talking about having you on the show for quite some time, and super excited that your schedule allowed you to join us today, because we know how super busy you are, but really excited to shine light on the incredible work you and your team are doing at Clark. Now, let's dive in. You are a speech-language pathologist. That's where the synergies align here. What inspired you? to become a speech-language pathologist and pursue a career in communication sciences and disorders?
1: Well, I always knew I wanted to work with children from a very young age, and um, I wasn't sure exactly what that would look like, but I pursued my undergraduate in human development and special education and went on to get my master's in education in early childhood and special ed. And I loved elements of that. I loved the early intervention. I loved the reading interventions, the small group work. But I realized the classroom setting was not the right fit for me. And I was so drawn to the prescriptive elements of what we were doing. Mm. And I loved collaborating with all of the therapists. And I realized my interests were really aligning with the speech-language pathologists. So I went straight from that master's right into another one to get my master's in science in communication sciences and disorders. And I never looked back. It really felt like I found my calling.
0: But what a great foundation now, having both and just your ability to self audit. You know, we talk to a lot of SLPs, hearing healthcare professionals, students. So to our students tuned in right now who are, you know, graduate students, undergrad Nell is living proof that your career path can change and taking that leap of faith. Isn't it so great that the communication sciences and disorders field, the scope is pretty large now? Oh,
1: very. Uh, I actually found it pretty overwhelming when I got (laughs) into that graduate program because I came in sort of laser focused. I didn't know I'd no idea that being an auditory verbal therapist was even something that existed. But I thought, you know, I know I want to work with young kids. And then I got to grad school and surprise, I needed to learn a lot about adults and about hospital settings and about- uh, The brain. (laughs) The brain and speech anatomy and neuroscience. And I felt like I had this great foundation that continues to serve me beautifully in understanding child development and the educational system but I was really in for a shock at the new knowledge I needed to learn and how many directions my career could end up going.
0: Yes. So before joining Clark, for those tuned in, communication sciences and disorders, you essentially, most all programs have an externship. Yes. Where did you complete your externship? And was that one of the ways in which you got integrated with Clark?
1: It is. Um, I was really fortunate in grad school, you know, you do a different rotation every semester with a different population. And I attended uh, Florida State University. And at that time, we had an AVT, Janet Kahn, on staff. And I did a rotation with her a semester where I was um, working with young children with hearing loss with her. And that's when everything fell into place with me. And I thought, I found my niche because I really felt like I hadn't until that point. And she suggested that I pursue my externship at Clark Jacksonville. So I went and I interviewed there. And that is where I did my externship was at Clark Jacks. And uh, I then, after graduating, worked in public schools and private education schools before I ultimately came back to the Clark family. But it definitely set me up um, to come back to Clark at a different campus and now uh, at a national level in the future.
0: Different campus, but essentially same culture, right? Which is incredible. And leaning into this now, you know, you've had all of these different experiences. We know that the communication sciences and disorder scope is so vast. In your experience, what sets Clark Schools for Hearing and Speech apart from other institutions or organizations that do provide similar services, essentially on the same mission. And what makes Clark unique in your experience?
1: Yes, I feel really fortunate to have rejoined my Clark family. I loved all the experiences I had at various schools, working with different populations and working with children with hearing loss in the public school setting was very valuable for me as well. But Clark is special. One of the big things that sets Clark apart is that we are laser focused on children who are deaf or hard of hearing, who are learning to listen and speak using hearing technology. And Clark has been providing services for over 150 years. Wow. So, so yes, our history goes way back it's a long time. So for over 150 years, Clark has taught children who are deaf and hard of hearing to listen, learn, and speak and read alongside their hearing peers in the mainstream setting. It has always been Clark's mission from day one. And we have evolved over the centuries. <laughs> Isn't that cool um, to say? <laughs> it is. It's incredible. You know, it started as a residential program, which is no longer part part of our programming whatsoever. Um, to now we have five locations along the East Coast, uh, campus-based, as well as mainstream services, providing services in the natural environment, and now teleservices nationwide and even in other countries. So Clark has this really rich history um, of excellence in our field, and we have adapted with the time to serve the changing population.
0: The first thing I think of there... Now, when you say that Clark has been around for 150 years, as humans, and we always talk about this in the hearing healthcare space, communication sciences, and disorders, you know, what the service delivery model looks like. And at the end of the day, as a therapist and as a hearing healthcare professional, humans are social beings and we thrive yeah. on that connection. And from an outsider looking in, That has to be that component of why Clark has been able to successfully help so many people because they understand that essential component that we as humans are social beings.
1: Absolutely. So our connection with families and our strong belief that social communication, social interaction is the foundation of all language um, carries us through. Yeah.
0: So you, you said your connection with families. How does Clark collaborate with other professionals or organizations in the field of hearing healthcare uh, to essentially really ensure comprehensive support for your students. Let's take a quick break. Running a private practice is challenging and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth-running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that I believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic. Learn more at cycle.com. That's S-Y-C-L-E dot com. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Yeah we work with a lot of different professionals and I could spend all day naming all of them. So I'll focus on (laughs) team approach. And we really do believe in that family centered or as children get older, that student centered approach. Right. And that means we have a whole team around us. So I'll focus on the two biggest players that we interact with, which is audiology teams and then educational districts, educational entities, LEAs, local educational agencies. So for every child, no matter what department or campus or anything they are on with Clark, we are definitely collaborating with their hearing healthcare team. Great. Even if they receive some audiology services through Clark, which many do, those are different campus to campus, all of our children have what we call a medical home. Right. So they have a home base where they're getting their diagnostic testing and and so forth. So we've maintained very close relationships with each of our children's audiologists and then many large audiology centers, especially pediatric diagnostic audiology centers that we interact with very frequently. You know, there's some hospitals we get a lot of kids from due to our locations and so forth. So we have very good relationships with those teams and it's very much a back and forth. So they're sending us information. We are sending them information. For example, if I have a kid, most of my kids are little, right? And it's it's not easy to test them in the booth. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) No, that's the understatement of this entry. So their audiologists may email me and say, you know, here's the report. Here's the audiogram I got today. I was only able to get sound field. or I was only able to get up to this. Can you please keep an eye on the high frequencies? I really don't think those are reliable. And let me know what you're noticing in listening checks. Or can you do a little work in your sessions on discrimination between these two sounds and let me know what you think? Or I need this kid to move to play audiometry. Can you work on that in your sessions? So we do a lot of that.
0: I love that approach. Number one, these children, you're emphasizing the fact that they are in this language-rich environment with their families, with Clark. Essentially, they're hearing home, right? Mm -hmm. And I love that collaborative approach because we understand, and Nell, you more so than I, because you're a practicing speech language pathologist, you know, understanding these language and speech milestones. Yes. And the carryover from the audiologist to the speech language pathologist. My hope, and a lot of hearing care professionals do this really well with maybe their their adult patients primary care physician or ENT, it is that collaborative approach. What you're saying in a report, hey, let's look out for this, maybe the high frequencies. How would you essentially maybe teach an organization to really hone in on that collaborative, streamlined communication? Because that really does help the kiddos.
1: It does. And it goes back to what you said, that it's all about social connection. And we have some institutions are easier to have relationships with. Than others, and that is often due to constraints that they don't have control over. Sure, you know if their teams are really overbooked, they don't have any time built into their day for communication. You know that's a that's a real barrier that I respect, um, but it is about building communications and having point people. So especially at centers that have roles such as an educational liaison, that's a huge win if a center has that because I'm I might schedule a call to talk to them about all of our kids who are seen for two visits at Clark and kind of run through all of them and say, their provider sent me this. We would really like to remap the right ear for this kid. Um, So it's establishing those connections and determining who are those people at each practice. And it's not always the same. So it's about building relationships and building that mutual respect. And the longer we work with someone, the more we come to respect each other, right? Because they're seeing, oh, I get really valuable input from the Clark provider because their Clark provider emailed them a week before the kids mapping and said, I've noticed in the right CI that they are consistently substituting mm for ooh. Um, So I want to give you a heads up before mapping. And over time, that builds trust and we see the value in working with each other more and more.
0: And trust takes time to build and I just love that collaborative approach because again these these kids they are in this language rich environment they're working with great professionals like you at Clark School and these are future leaders of America as well. You know we we want to make yes, sure they that they are they have a chance to to really thrive. And that's what I love so much about Clark School, obviously doing research about the institution prior to this interview. And now, thank you and your team for all that you're doing for these for these kiddos. When we talk about emerging technologies, innovation, that's really been a buzzword, innovation and emerging technologies even the past decade in the communication sciences and disorders field, more so I yes. feel, than even 30, 40, 50 years ago. Of course, I was not around. However, doing research. Shame. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it seems to me. I
0: agree but it with you. Seemed, right. So so when when we discuss these innovative and emerging technologies, can you discuss them as they relate sure. to speech therapy that you know, have excited you and, and what emerging technologies or innovations are you most excited about to implement with your patients?
1: So, of course, there's a side of it that I won't get into in detail that I'll leave to the actual audiologists and uh, industry people that you have on your podcast. But the innovations in hearing technology are simply incredible. It's tremendous. It really is. Um, and that that is the biggest change, the biggest change we've seen, you know, because with improved access to sound, improved listening and spoken language outcomes follow as long as we have appropriate therapies and supports. But the improvements in access have been incredible. For me, what's most exciting is to see the more widespread adoption and acceptance of teleservices across every area of our field. So, obviously, one of the positive outcomes of COVID was this widespread use of video conferencing and everyone got comfortable with it.
0: It's not weird anymore.
1: (laughs) It's not weird anymore. It's not weird anymore. And internet access increased, people's comfort level increased. It's not this crazy thing. I mean, it used to be, we've been doing teleservices since 2011, and it used to be a pretty hard sell. Like, well, you're going to get on... (laughs) We used FaceTime initially, and we're going to do therapy like that. Like people were <laughs> resistant, and now is there
0: evidence behind this? <laughs> might
1: be something, yes. right? Well, cause... and you know what? There wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't, and now there is. Mm-hmm. So, what's most exciting to me is to see now that we have this widespread use to see innovations that are going to allow for it to become more widespread, and what that is going to require is changes in legislation. Yes changes in policy regarding reimbursement, and so forth. So what's actually most exciting to me is now that we have this excellent technology, how can we get the policies and laws needed to support its full use?
0: To, to dovetail off that, what is Clark and your colleagues doing to educate elected officials on this very important topic and, and matter, to kind of give a 10,000-foot view
1: Yeah, at a very high level view, we are working, um, especially within our operating states where we have campuses, most of our campus directors are very involved on the state level, um, meeting with advocacy groups, government groups, showing our data our actual data, as well as these larger studies that are being done more and more. We're seeing large-scale peer-reviewed studies come out, and Clark also has excellent data that we've been keeping on our T-Visit students. So we are presenting that, presenting parent testimonials, and really advocating for legislation within our states. And of course, I am following very closely along on the national level with things such as the ASHA Interstate Compact and all kinds of reciprocity laws that I think will be game changers over the next five years.
0: Absolutely. I think the the term reciprocity, when done correctly, can really again open up the floodgates of access to yes. speech language therapy, to hearing health care. And again, to our speech language pathologists out there and hearing healthcare professionals, the importance of advocacy cannot yes. stress this enough. Because even literally now putting a block in your calendar of okay, one day or two days per month, I'm going to make it a point to reach out to my elected officials to establish that relationship because there's so much policy that how (laughs) how are you top of mind if you're not reaching out? And I feel as though as a whole, communication sciences and disorders, throwing audiology in there.
1: Yeah. We have have this as we we have to unite. We We have have to to, unite small. We're small in the grand scheme of things when you look at healthcare overall.
0: Absolutely. So, how can we, understanding Clark's history that has been around, you know, you've been around for 150 years. Obviously, you have a system that works and collaboration is a part of that. How can we, as an industry, continue to collaborate and spread that message? What does that look
1: like? Oh, that's the million dollar question. And I'm hoping that we continue to unite the two professions, especially through ASHA, because ASHA is really pushing forward the interstate compact. And that requires national coordination as well as state level. And then how do we collaborate with smaller groups within that. So things like um, early hearing detection, like EDDI in the state level. And many states have their own you know, sub-organizations, special interest groups. How do we get all of the experts we have at these individual places and bring the expertise forward? Um, so we have to unite under certain umbrellas.
0: And again, this really tees us up for next week's episode where we're really going to dive into the nitty-gritty of telehealth. But I have to say now, I graduated in 2017. So even then, even in 2017, there wasn't much of an emphasis on teleservices. Like we oh, learned- wasn't even mentioned. I yeah. graduated
1: in 2012. So No one had even. It doesn't. It's not that.
0: It's not that long ago either. And
1: it's like no. I did one of the first tea visits at Clark as an employee.
0: (laughs) We are on the ground floor of something that can really revolutionize the industry, but not only revolutionize the industry because there needs to be a reframe. We need to provide the services these children and kids need to successfully set them up to understand communication have access to that language-rich environment, and how can we increase greater access? And for many, that's telehealth. Before we sign off, I just have one more question. When we talk about the benefits, our listeners tuned in, you need to tune in next week as well because we're having Nail back on to talk really about the benefits of telehealth, but have you personally encountered any surprising or unexpected benefits uh, using telehealth with the hearing impaired?
1: Yes. Some of it we'll get into more next week, such as um, overcoming what we call the zip code lottery. Okay. That children who previously, it just, wherever they were born, that's if they had access to services or not. And um, teleservices can completely break that down. It has the potential to, to remove massive barriers such as geography, work schedules, so forth. It can remove many of those barriers. But one of the most surprising and incredible benefits to me came from the research that Clark did. We contracted with an outside evaluator to measure the impact of T-visits in our birth to three population. We've been doing them since 2011, and they worked with us throughout that time and released a final report in 2022. And here's what's really shocking. 95% or more of the caregivers surveyed, and it was a pretty large number, said that T-visits were effective or very effective at helping them learn to interact with their child, helping their child progress in their development, increasing their own strategy use to build their children's communication skills, and monitoring and tracking their child's progress. And what blew my mind more than anything else was that our one of our biggest concerns, one of a lot of people's biggest concerns, is that it will be hard to form a relationship And in that research conducted by an outside evaluator, 100% of parents surveyed said T visits were effective or very effective at developing and maintaining a relationship with their provider.
0: Wow. So the numbers tell a story there, Nell.
1: The numbers tell a story. And for me personally, working closely with families to break down those access barriers through teleservice has been the greatest joy of my career.
0: I love that. Now, this this reminds me during the pandemic, okay? So, running a private audiology practice and thank goodness before the pandemic, we were implementing teleaudiology. But it really during and following the pandemic really became part of the onboarding process of new patients. So, during their fitting appointment, their first fitting, they would come in show them how to use the technology, bring them back once more for, you know, 7 to 10 day follow-up. And for most patients now, they all have smartphones or their caregivers do. We would always yep. have that third visit following real ear measurement cuz then it's much easier to make the appropriate adjustments with, you know, teleaudiology following real yes. ear measurement. Our patients loved it. And to your point, implementing that into the patient care Increased access, decreased barrier, and then they don't have to waste money filling up their gas tank, hitting traffic on one of the major highways. Yes. And they're comfortable in their home.
1: It's a huge amount of time and money. We see much improved attendance. You know, you don't have to miss an appointment because one child has the common cold in your house. Right. I love the model you're discussing where you have kind of a standard way of doing it so that they they jump in, they feel that connection. You do the things you need to do in person, because especially with audiology, there is some of it that needs to be in person. With speech, they're, they're truly... Typically isn't, um, except for certain situations. Sure, but I love that you have that setup where you put them right into their third appointment telehealth, and the comfort level is there regardless of the of the service delivery model.
0: Especially, you know, the the asynchronous programming where patient puts in a, a ticket essentially, and yeah. um, you make the adjustments, and it uploads right to their hearing technology. But now this is super exciting. Number one, I so admire your passion. I love what you and Clark are doing and have been doing for 150 years. Next week, we're going to be talking about the benefits of telehealth for hearing health care services. So Nell, thank you so much for joining us on the Hearing Matters podcast and we're gonna see you next week.
1: My pleasure, I can't wait.
0: You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast. Today, we had Nell Rosenberg, who is the National Director of Teleservices at Clark Schools for Hearing and Speech. Tune in next week where Nell talks about the benefits of telehealth for hearing healthcare services. I'm your host, Blaise Delfino, and until next time, hear Life story. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaise Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode? And what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life's story.